This is R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Lakers dominate up 1-0. Multiple Miami Heat players injured. The series price, the title watch for the Lakers now, 92% chance to win it all. Twins haven't won in a long time in the playoffs. 18 straight losses. They're eliminated again. If you had bet $1 at the beginning and let it ride against the Twins, you would have over 33000 Battle of the winless teams tonight, Thursday night football. Denver's on their third string QB. And still the Jets and Sam Darnold at home are only pick them. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live from Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations, live on a Thursday. Steve Fezzik in studio, Uh, just doing, I mean, Herculean duty. I mean, like working almost every weekday. Gotta love the guy. (laughs) I mean, does it seem like I'm being sarcastic, Fez? I'm getting graded on the Fezzik curve. I love it. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh, he hasn't taken a day off for a, a, almost a week. But we want to appreciate it. And the thing I'm interested in, and sports bettors do listen for the money, sports fans to know more than their buddies, does Jonas Knox, who is our favorite Joe in Los Angeles, does Jonas Knox have that 18 straight fade of the twins for 33,000 Jonas. <laughs> uh, I don't. I actually probably would have been the guy who bet on the twins uh, every <laughs> single time. I, I'm that guy that sees a roulette board and if it hits red a bunch of times in a row, I just assume law of averages means it's going to hit black and so I bet black every you know, time. You want to know the real way to approach that? <laughs> I would love to. Here's the thing. In theory, it doesn't matter, right? It's the old joke, okay, if there's been 50, or not joke, but kind of thought uh, uh, riddle in a way is if it's been 20 straight heads and it's a fair coin, what's the odds on the next one? Well, it's 50 50 if you're flipping a coin. But here's the thing, and Fez, I think you agree with this one there's always a chance there's some kind of wheel bias or some kind of bias that we don't know about. And thus, if you have a preponderance of one way or the other, let's say it's a bunch of black on uh, roulette or whatever, right? Why not just assume, hey, if the if it is fair, it's 50-50. But if there's a chance or some kind of bias is leading to this preponderance of one thing, why not jump on that side? Because worst case, you're even, and maybe there's a small chance you're on the right side of a bias. That's very well said, and I, I think that with – the Minnesota Twins, who can explain it? But one thing that's shocking, RJ, is these last two games, a lot of these games in the streak, the Twins were a big underdog. They were big favorites this year, and they still couldn't win a game. But remember now, when you start off with a dollar, let it ride 18 times, and you have over $33,000 at the end, 
It doesn't matter on any given game what was likely or not. It was in aggregate, it's that unlikely, one in over 33,000. So no doubt the last two losses as favorites are even more uh, impressive (laughs) in a way if bad is the goal. But to me, that when you get into that one in 33,000 range, (laughs) you can ask yourself, maybe it's luck, right? Or maybe there's something there. I'm thinking there's something there, Jonas. Yeah, no, I I believe that there's something there as well, too, RJ. But when we've got on a day all sorts of MLB playoff action, we've also got week four in the NFL kicking off later on tonight. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? You know, thinking of it's probably there's something not there for the Twins, but that that is not our Vegas lead. We're going to start with the Lakers, man. I mean, I know it's unusual to have – the NBA Finals in the middle of the NFL. And, you know, it feels less important in some ways. And the ratings were way down. But this could be, I mean, let's be candid. LeBron has played, what is it, 17 seasons? And he's won three titles. The idea that he's going to, you know, be a big favorite now to win his fourth it's big news. Uh, I think we got to leave with it. Yeah, and it was the Lakers all over the Miami Heat. 116-98 to was the final from Orlando and the bubble last night. The Lakers with a one nothing series lead in the NBA Finals. All right, Steve Fezzik. First question is, a bunch of injuries. We're looking at game two now. Give me a breakdown of how you value these injuries and what adjustment you would have made to the line. Yeah, so Bam Adebayo, he is unlikely to play. It's possible. He's worth two points. Drogic, the point guard for Miami, very unlikely to play. He's worth one and a half points. All right, so you're saying a three and a half point adjustment. So yes. the, the closing, now Butler, you know, maybe we can say a half point that he's, you know, a little tender on the ankle, but who knows, right? It's, I mean, this is subjective to some degree. Okay, so what was the closing line in game one? Minus four and a half Lakers. Okay, so, the zigzag, which tells us the team that loses has extra motivation. The team that won has a tendency to be complacent, means the line would have gone to four. It would have been a slight advantage for the Heat. But, forgetting the injuries, the domination of the Lakers would have caused a reevaluation of the power ratings between these teams, the, you know, the general, which should the line be? I think that would have been about a point, Fez. So I'm thinking this line would have been about five or so with no injuries. What do you think? I agree. Spot on. Okay. So we add in your injuries, and even if we go kind of liberal with it and say, okay, let's give a half point for Butler. So we're looking at about four points then, right? Yes. Lines would be nine. What do you got as the game two line? Nine and a half. Okay. I like the heat. This just feels like the perfect spot. First off, let's be candid. If there is any chicanery with the NBA, and this is what a lot of people believe, and in in the David Stern era, they especially believed it here in Vegas, was, listen, they're not going to fix games. No. But if there's a game in which a certain team winning is going to help the bottom line, it's going to extend the series, it's going to keep interest in the series, et cetera, what do they do? 
They look at the teams and say, who doesn't like LeBron? Who tends to call against LeBron? Or maybe there's even a certain style of play. Okay, this style of play, this referee is going to be good or bad, or et cetera. And historically, it feels like that in these spots where, man, if the Lakers win by double digits, the air goes out of this finals, somehow Miami wins. Not only do we get the extra game, but how much does this perk up the interest in this the finals, Jonas. I mean, you as the voice of the fan. I mean, can I'm not sure if we've seen a game in which the result of it could sway the interest in a series like this in a long time. What do you think? Yeah, I actually watched last night, and I thought that how many people watching and looking at this game thought to themselves, "All right, I've seen enough. Uh, we're good the rest of the series." And and so they need whatever they can do to try and bring the audience back. And at this point, if they start cutting corners and doing stuff behind the scenes, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, that's Jonas Knox. But what I'll say is, we and and. No way do we know for sure what's happening, but let's be honest. If you feel like the Lakers are going to win anyway, and it's like, yeah, you know, if they lost this game, would it really be all that bad? And again, it it would be not a fix in this hypothetical. It would be trying to stack the deck might be the way to say it. So, Fez, how much do you believe that goes on today? And at, at points of the past, was that something that series betters considered that okay this team winning here would be bad for the league thus I want to fade them that kind of mentality I think it used to be prevalent in the past I think it still occurs now but not nearly to the extent that it once did all right so let's ask that question again but with two different angles one is what you believe the reality is and and I think that's what you just answered Right. Is you believe the reality is it happened in the past a good bit where there'd be a bias towards the team if they did well, that would benefit the league. And you're saying it happens now, but less often. Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. What was and is the feeling amongst betters? Do you know serious betters who take this factor into account that, okay, this is would be bad for the league if the Lakers, you know, win this game, especially handily, thus I don't want to bet on the Lakers because the league is going to try to prevent that. Yes, the betters that I know make a modest adjustment because, frankly, they're not sure, RJ. So they're saying, you know what, this might be a non-factor completely, but it's possible it is a factor, and they tend to move their numbers by just a half a point for situations like this. That's Steve Fezzik and RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. So, Fez, right now on the lay price and the take back, we know it's 92% chance Lakers winning the title would if you like the Lakers how much how, how much do you have to bet you got to risk $15 to win $1 RJ minus 1500 and if you want to take a shot on the heat what's the take back nine to one Ooh, any interest in the heat none really <laughs> What happened from yesterday? I've already uh, <laughs> donated with my plus. Uh, I don't want to get fined. So pl- anywhere from plus 330 to plus 275 but, bet but, on the but, heat but that I gave you, out. But here's the thing, Fez. You have the worst of the number now. So you can talk about that all you want. You can't talk about you got the best of the number in your pocket somewhere. No one, you know, at some place in, I don't know, Portugal or something. I'm right? not going to go for dollar cost averaging and just go ahead and buy more at plus nine and nine to one. No, thank you. Let me ask you a question, though. If there weren't the injuries, would 
this game have shocked you that much? I mean, these games happen. And if any game you think the Heat might be a little flat, might or not flat, but might be a little nervous, might play badly, it'd be the first game, right? Yes, and in fact, I already had planned to bet the Heat game two. If they lost game one, I probably still will bet the Heat. But now it's betting the Heat to cover, not bet bet the Heat to win game two. Yeah, but let's be honest here. If the if, if, if uh, Drogic is the only guy out for any period of time except the next game, really, how much? I mean, the Heat are a deep team. I, I just I guess what I don't understand is how it gone from you literally made a bet on the heat to one game in and it's like oh my god there's no chance <laughs> yeah right? I'm, I'm boom i'm boomeranging I'm, I'm overreacting to the uh shocking 30 point lead the lakers put up <laughs> but i i think most people feel the same way like jonas said there's a lot of sense of hey i've seen enough all i know is if you go back through nba playoff history there's gonna be a lot of games in which one team just dominates and, I mean, we saw that in the uh, way back in the day in the Celtics-Lakers. I mean, sometimes it just happens that way. If anything, I think it sets up perfectly for the Heat to really – because to me, the Lakers now have to be somewhat complacent. And if they can pull off a surprise – even if it's game three, right? I mean, it's not the end of the world if the favorite gets up 2-0. I mean, it's obviously harder to come back. But I tell you this, I'm going to wait on the series – but the first game the Heat win, if it's uh, if it's in the first f- three games, right? I don't if it's somehow one to two, how whatever order it happens, you know that first win happens for the Heat. I might look at the series. I because re- I see. Last thing on this, Feds, do you agree with the following that the Heat had a better chance to groove into this series than come out strong and just run? I mean. To me, I heard people say, oh, he got to win the first game to have any chance. I don't think that's true. I think this is the kind of series where if it weren't for the injuries, you'd have to think, huh, if he can get one of the first three, get one more, and then they gain their confidence. And almost like Apollo Creed in Rocky One, right? He gets, starts getting hit in the ribs. He's not that worried about finally the 14th, cracks the rib. It feels like there could have been a – a Rocky Balboa undercut moment. What do you think? <laughs> I uh, I agree. I think the Heat are a young team, and all the pressure, if this goes six or seven, falls squarely on the Lakers, especially with these injuries where everyone's saying, you know, the Lakers, this this would be an incredible collapse. The perception would be if the Lakers don't win. That's a lot of pressure if the series goes six or more games. So I almost certainly will have the Heat in game two. I'm going to wait, though, because I want to see this line keep going up is what I expect. Any closing thoughts, Jonas? Um, I just I thought Chris Broussard made a really, really good point, and you sort of got caught up in the chaos of the injuries and the blowout and the 70-35 to 35 run or whatever it was. But he pointed out, and I remember thinking about it at the time, but I, again, I forgot about it after the game, was that the, the Lakers made their run initially with LeBron on the bench. 
So the Heat came out early and were red hot and playing really well. LeBron sat down for his normal rest spot in the first quarter, and that's when the Lakers made their run. I don't know how often you can count on that in this series, which makes it maybe not as doom and gloom for the Miami Heat as as previously thought. Or you could say, heck, even without LeBron, they're able to run out on him. True. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I hear you both ways. So let's do this. We'll take our first break. When we come back, we like nothing more than to have Fez face the facts when he's wrong about something. I've got a Josh Allen stat. He's anti-Josh Allen. There's some kind of hate there. I've got a Josh Allen stat that will blow your mind. That's coming up next. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at one quarterback in the NFL who's in the early MVP conversation. Who knows, Jonas? He might have Josh Allen, you know, Fez's (laughs) nemesis. He might be like the MVP favorite here with Fez, (laughs) the way he boomerangs sometimes. It's a fun day to join us, but this stat on Josh Allen is a mind-blower this is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support, and we promise best football season yet. You can listen on the 225 stations across the country. You might know that station. You might not. You know what? Go to foxsportsradio.com. You can stream it there if you want, the show, all the FSR shows, or you can find out the best station in your area. Right now, in my area, Las Vegas, on the Strip, 100 degrees exactly, the neon is flowing. So, RJ, we're only three weeks into the NFL season with week four kicking off later on tonight, but the MVP discussions are already being had. Many people believe Russell Wilson is the runaway favorite. Aaron Rodgers has been thrown in there, but also closely behind them is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if you heard, Jonas, but uh, Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. (laughs) I I have heard that once or twice. You know what's funny? That will be a driver in this. Of course. The the thing you have to ask yourself is what are you betting? Whenever you make a bet, what are you betting? And anytime you're betting the MVP, you're betting on a vote. It's a popularity contest in a way. So the handicap isn't who's going to have the best season. The handicap is who's going to have a season – that fits a narrative that the voters want to vote in. And all you got to know is one of those narratives is not back-to-back MVPs. So it's like Lamar Jackson wins one, and lo and behold, he's you know not – you would think, oh, that's a sign he can win another one. But Fez, in general, there's such a bias against the last MVP in the voting, it seems like, that the odds show that. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why Russell Wilson is the favorite to win the MVP, plus 225, and the knack, the knock on him winning it also is he just didn't throw the ball enough. It wasn't enough in terms of counting stats he could get, but this year, Seattle is throwing the ball 60% of the time, so Russell Wilson's putting up big numbers with Metcalf and with Lockett. So run through the big favorites or the, the, the top favorites for the MVP. So Russell Wilson is the favorite, plus 225, Patrick Mahomes, four to one, Aaron Rodgers, seven to one, Lamar Jackson, ten to one, and Josh Allen, sixteen to one. Ooh, 
I got to appreciate you going to Josh Allen there. You could have stopped short <laughs> Costanza style, but you went through. So credit due there. That's Fezic. I'm R.J. Bell. Let's talk quickly about Russell Wilson, then we'll get to Josh Allen. It's not just the percentage of time Seattle's throwing the ball. It's when they're throwing the ball. The complaint was with the advanced analytics guys, the complaint was, okay, run, 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 Pete Carroll, and then finally when you need bailed out and it's a bad passing spot, third and eight, third and 12, down in the fourth quarter type situations, then you say Superman Russ come in and, and save the day, and that's tough. It is tough. Now they're throwing, and, and this is there's different ways to look at this, but you can look at it as, okay, first three quarters and not trailing by a score or more. You know, just situations where you have discretion. When do you as a team have discretion? You can run or pass. That's when the stats matter. If you're up big, you're going to run more. If you're down big, you're going to pass more. That's just inevitable. Every team. It's when you have discretion, and when Seattle has discretion, they are passing so much more this year than the years past. And it's not only the additional number of passes, it's the efficiency of these types of passes, early downs, not long distance, you know, not especially long. They just do exceptionally well. The analytics guys love passes there. Do you agree with that, Fez? Yes, Seattle is no longer a power running team. They are a dynamic offense. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Josh Allen. Fez, give me a 30-second characterization of your feelings about Josh Allen entering the season. Josh Allen will never be an elite quarterback because he's inaccurate. He was inaccurate at Wyoming, and his first two years in the NFL, he ranked in the bottom five in terms of accuracy versus expected in the NFL. Well, it seems impossible that he could then emerge. <laughs> what, so how is his accuracy looking now? He has been accurate. He's 13th in terms of expectations. Oh, listen to you. You're, you're saying you just so want to say inaccurate, but like how could 13th out of 32 be inaccurate, right? Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So how, and, have you, how have you reevaluated Josh Allen? So Josh Allen is now my – I've moved him up to my number eight quarterback, RJ. I had him 17 to start the year. What, so three games, he goes from 17 to eight. Boomerang. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen? If he throws an interception in the first quarter, you're going to knock him down 10 slots? Well, well <laughs> RJ, you alerted me that he has three 300-yard passing games and for his career and in 2020. Yeah, so think about this. Literally, his three best games yardage-wise, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills. Now, this is his third year. His three best games, game one, game two, game three this season. I mean, come on. And he's above average accuracy, but here's the stat. This is a shocker. All right, last 14 games. Bills are 9-5 and five straight up. That's good. He's... Touchdowns. Josh Allen's touchdowns. Now, this is passing and rushing. 33. His interceptions, three. 33 to three. And this guy's a gunslinger. It's not like, oh, dink and dump. You know, he literally gets the ball downfield. 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. Fez, what do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) 
the importance in this job is sometimes you eat a little crow and you reevaluate and you make big adjustments. But what happens if you eat crow every day? <laughs> I mean, is that become like, are you, you know how they have, you know, like carnivore, omnivore. And, and, I mean, you know this stuff, Joan. It's like those people that will eat just fish, right? Yeah. And what's that called? Um, I don't know the, or you mean, I know vegan, I yeah, know, okay. yeah. I know there's, but the, uh, oh gosh, the, the all some, meat diet. Yeah. Well, oh, well, no, there's that too. Like the Joe Rogan thing. Yeah. But, the carnivore but, diet. But there's the people who will eat no meat, no chicken, but will have fish. Right. There's all kind of permutations yes, like that. Yes. Correct. So, hmm. Let's do this. I want to talk about Carson Wentz. Because Howard Stern, I'm a fan, uh, and influences a great degree, I think, at least with the freedom and all that, where you know he's kind of t- trying to live the truth on air. And I heard him talking about Carson Wentz. Now, this is a guy, Howard, that literally you, every year they have to explain to him who plays in the Super Bowl. There's AFC versus NFC. So the fact he was talking about Carson Wentz and how bad he's been playing made me think, oh, my, it's broken through. Here's the stats, or some of them. Touchdown to interception ratio, three touchdowns, six interceptions. That ratio is tied for last in the NFL. Yards per attempt, last in the NFL, Carson Wentz. Passer rating, last. So literally, ratio, touchdowns, interceptions, yards per attempt, passer rating, Tied for last or last? As Chevy Chase would say, not good. <sighs> Fez, what's going on? Tell us about this week, too, and do you have any leans? Yeah, so I think with Carson Wentz, the first game, he got spooked after he got sacked eight times. There's no doubt about it. The pressure hasn't been as bad on him the weeks two and three, and he just is rushing the ball out. Very inaccurate. He's 34th in accuracy versus expected in the league, and I have downgraded him big time, RJ. I had once my number eight quarterback. Now he's number 24. Wow. I mean, three games, man. I mean, Jonas, don't ever have three bad shows in a row. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I won't know. I mean, you, you rarely ever have a bad one. But, I mean, if somehow you did, who knows where you'd be on the Fezzik rankings. I, I mean, yeah, I'm starting to reevaluate things. i got to go back to the drawing board. So, you can go back to Josh Allen or you can talk about Carson. From the fans' perspective, what do you see? Um, Josh Allen, my only concern really with him is not so much the interceptions as it is the fumble. Uh, he still fumbles the ball a little too much for my liking because when he gets outside of the pocket, he just turns into a football player to where he's stiff arming guys and he's not really the, the maybe the most the, the smartest runner in the world when it comes to securing the football, getting down. Don't take all those big big hits. He definitely has improved in that regard. But I also think it's his structure. Um, I, I think what Buffalo's done around him, they add Stephon Diggs. He and Stephon Diggs uh, had chemistry almost immediately. Um, he didn't have a lot to work with. They've got a, you know, a couple of tight ends there. Croft, Dawson Knox is another guy there that, that's played really well at times. Their defense is really good. I think as long as, and you guys always point to, if you can win the turnover battle, as long as they can do that, I don't see why this team can't be a legitimate contender contender in the AFC with the way that he's played early on. If you look at the betting market, they consider the market Vegas considers the Bills clearly better than the Pats 
All you've got to do, they've actually now played two different times. The team the Pats played last week, Bills played this week. Mm. And you can get a good comparison, especially you have to flip homes sometimes, you know, home field advantage. But it is saying about two points better, the Bills. So if you look at the um, division odds, now listen, uh, Bills are up a game, but they are clear favorites over the Pats. And, I mean, people are loving the Pats. So I think for sure, for sure, the Bills are a contender. And, you know, Matty Holt, who's on with us every Wednesday, the former billion-dollar bookie and literally has booked billions, he lo- he's got the uh, – He's got the Bills at 40 to 1 in his pocket. He's got them at 33 to 1. I mean, he's got Super Bowl tickets in his pocket. <laughs> and I, those bookmakers don't like to bet those long shots. So, uh, I, you know, I, that makes me like the Bills even more. So, let's do this. I've got a trend that involves the Saints that literally is 17 and 0 against the spread. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. Fez, look up that Green Bay, man. So if Adams is out and that emerging number two's out, I mean, who are they throwing to? Yeah, it's a great point. Green Bay had been laying seven on Monday Night Football. I saw it uh, trickling down to six and a half. And Lazard, uh, so what's had... the what's the current number? One second. Yeah. So, Jonas, shifting gears real quick. What's your take on the Sixers hire? Um, I just I don't know what to make of Doc Rivers at this point. Let me see. He doesn't win much. Well, I mean, there's that, but it's also I I don't know that he kept the personalities together in in L.A. with the Clippers as well as maybe he could have done because you heard all sorts of bad blood after the after their season was over. You heard about Paul George and Montrez Harrell getting into it on the bench, and all we've heard about Philly is that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't get along from time to time. And so if, if you're looking for somebody to mend that fence and build around those guys, I don't know, based on recent history, if his track record is strong enough to do it. See, now that's interesting. I actually think the one thing he could do is if they're trying to placate these guys, if it's not about you got, got to do what's necessary to win, but it's about getting both of them to resign and stay, right? And I'm not even sure the contract situations with each, but let's just say be content and stay, I think Doc's the kind of guy can be easy on the players in a way, but make them content. I think what was different on the Clippers was it was like, hey, it's a win now mentality with Kawhi. And Kawhi is, you know, he's got more pedigree of winning than Doc Rivers does. He's got two himself. So to some degree, I think Doc probably his his lax attitude, let's say relatively, you know, he does He's not a, you know, buster of players. I think I probably heard him where in Philly that might be the point. The point is they don't want to rock the boat. They just want to smooth the boat and keep both those guys there is my guess. Fez, real quick, what are you seeing in the Green Bay game? Yeah, Green Bay is still at minus seven. It actually has not moved, and I wonder with Julio Jones maybe not playing for Atlanta, that might be a factor why people don't want to back Atlanta. The total has dropped from 58 down to 57. Okay, so if Jones plays and Adams doesn't, that seven would look juicy. We'll see what happens there. Real quick, this trend is amazing. I am a Saints apologist to some degree, and here's why. 
Now, this trend leads into the big one. Week one and two, the last seven seasons. So week one, week two, seven seasons, 14 games. The Saints have been 3-11 straight up, 2-12 and against the spread. So just for whatever reason, these teams or the Saints start slow. They did this year, start slow. But in October, dating back to 2015, the Saints are 17-0 straight or against the spread, 16-1 straight up. So they start really slow, and then come October, they play really, really well. 17 straight covers for the Saints in October. All right, last break. When we come back, Sam Darnold, Mono, there's so many questions. What excuses will we make tonight? We'll explore them. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., we've got week four in the NFL kicking off tonight, 8.20 p.m. Eastern time. It is the Broncos at the Jets. And right now on pregame.com, New York is a one-point favorite. I mean, how strong is the NFL that that they can give us this and we're – you're going to watch it, right? At least the beginning, Jonas? Oh, I'm going to watch all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll watch all of it. And Fez has a bet I find interesting. I want to talk about, is there maybe value on the Jets? So, lines right around pick them, let's call it. Small, small, small favor for the Jets. So, what they're saying is that the line is saying that Denver's better because home field, let's say, two points in the COVID era. And thus, if the Jets are favored by one, that means Denver with a third-string quarterback is better. I don't believe that. So, Fez, let's do the adjustment. And there's a good tip here. Fez says, you know, RJ, i got to be honest. I don't have a great feel for this ripping. And I said, well, hey, it's easy then. Let's see what the market's saying. Because to me, the market's usually right. It's not always right, because if it was always right, how can you bet, right? But mostly it is. And if you don't have a strong opinion, the, the, the strongest thing to do is let the market guide you on that matter. So, Fez, the market is telling us the downgrade from Driscoll to Rippon was what? Three points. Okay, and that feels about right to you. I really don't know. I have so limited experience with uh, with Rippon, but yes, it, given that Rippon is a typical third string quarterback, yes, RJ. All right. So, with that adjustment, what do you think the line should be on this game? The Jets should be a small favorite because I'd have the two teams rated equally at that point, and the Jets for home field for two would be laying two. So you're saying even a little bit. So you're saying equal. I don't understand this. So you're on a third-string quarterback. You obviously lost key playmaker last week. You're on like your second or third-string right tackle if you're Denver. You got uh, decimated on the defensive side, including Vaughn Miller. I mean, what have the? I get that there's a lot of yapping about the Jets. I get there's a lot of complaining about Adam Gase. 
But really, it sounds like Denver is the. I'm not even sure how to explain how bad this is. This was not a good team to start with, and now they're they're down this many players. And you got the Jets at home. Darnold at home does better. And here's the key: against teams that are below 500, he's six and three, literally. That's in his career. Now listen, the thing about Sam Darnold is. You can't have much confidence in him. I mean, no doubt. And the excuses people make, ugh, I actually lean strongly. I'm not going to bet it. I lean strongly on the Jets. Fez, you got a best bet, though, in this game. Yeah, I'm going to play the total in the first half to go under 20 points, RJ. And it's all about my expectation that these two teams are going to be ultra conservative to start this game. We just saw Darnold throw two awful pick sixes against Indianapolis. I expect Darnold to be very careful with the ball. And Rippon, he's only played one quarter in the NFL. I think that Denver is going to go ahead and make sure that he takes no risks early in the game with both teams being ultra conservative. The bet is first half under 20 points. I like that. It's not just these are inept offenses. There's a reason to be extra conservative. Though I think you might be a little hard, Fez. Uh, I mean, when you get mono, it takes years to recover. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will say this. I believe the Jets are playing for Gase's job. I'm not sure how much they care, to be candid. But if you believe that's an advantage, another advantage, Jets. So I'm going to say a strong lean but I'm not betting it with my money on the Jets. The Odd Couple is next on many of these Fox Sports Radio affiliates. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We are straight out of Vegas back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time for a full preview of a busy weekend in the NFL. You can check out the show at 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Fox Sports Radio and as always on the iHeart Radio app. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 